This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. I feel like it's important for individuals to find their own lane. I think sometimes it can be a bit of a trap when people see what someone's doing and it's working so well. They think that, oh, okay, well, I can do that exact same thing. If you were called to do it, that's a different situation. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. But rather than talk about their successes, uh, we talk about their failures, more specifically the lessons that they learned from those individual experiences. So with that being said, my guest today is a multi-award winning entrepreneur and author and tech educator who's been featured exclusively on Blavity, BET, Black Enterprise, CBC, CP24, the Toronto Star, National Post, the Globe and Mail, and Canada Living, to name a few. In 2012, she launched Canada's first tech accelerator for underrepresented founders and helped startups raise over $1.1 million. In 2015, she launched TechSpark, Canada's first tech and design school committed to empowering children of color, girls, women, and teachers through innovative education. And most recently, Yahoo Finance reported that she received a $1 million investment from TD Bank for her tech ed platform, TechSpark. Without further ado, the Drake of tech, Tamar Huggins. Welcome to the podcast, Tamar. Thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Ooh, that took a lot of wind out of me. Makes uh, <laughs> makes makes uh, put a lot of respect on singers and performers who do a lot on stage. So here's a question I like to ask my guests that have the type of accomplishments that you have. When you hear that, are you like, is he talking about me, or is it more like, yeah, that's right, or maybe it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. I think over the years, I have learned to really appreciate um, my accomplishments and to be proud of them. Oftentimes, when you're a high achieving woman like myself, mm-hmm. whatever we accomplish things, no matter how big or small, you know, the next thing is, is what really drives us, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't take that time to really settle and sit and absorb and really reflect on what it is that we actually did. Mm-hmm. As to us, it's almost like it's expected Mm. it's 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 no sweat off of our back sometimes right so when other people say things like read my bio um oftentimes I am taken aback (laughs) there have been moments where I have been introduced and I thought man I should add that to my bio like is this how people really see me like that's so amazing so um but definitely, yeah, proud of myself and everything that I've accomplished. That's what's up. So let's get into this. Okay, so question number one. Uh, so to say that, you know, speaking of accomplishments, to say that you've uh, accomplished a lot is an understatement. But as an author and a tech entrepreneur and educator, what's been your biggest failure? Why do you consider it your biggest failure? And ultimately, how did you get through it and over it? 
So that's a really great question. Um, I've been an entrepreneur now for almost 11 years. Mm -hmm. And so there have been a number, (laughs) a number of things. And I think it's important to state that those failures are what help people to learn. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people don't highlight those failures and give this perception that entrepreneurship is glamorous. And while it can be, a lot of the times it's, it's really not. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I were to think of, I I try not to call it necessarily a failure, but Mm -hmm. an opportunity to learn. Right. I would say would be most recently um, Mm -hmm. the past year or so, you know, I really realized that the, the saying, getting it done, mm-hmm. done beats perfection mm-hmm. is something that I've had to really, really absorb because I would consider myself to be a perfectionist. And at times it can be to my own detriment where I may miss out on opportunities just because the way that I wanted to present the information may not have met the timeline, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were actually looking for, well, we've been raising money, as Mm -hmm. you all know, Mm -hmm. and there was an opportunity to close a deal with a partner um, that we have been talking to for a year. Mm -hmm. And um, they were asking for specific information and we were able to provide the information But of course, with me, for those who don't know, my background is in advertising and PR. So branding is a huge thing for me. Um, The way things look, the way that our brand is presented, the way documents and data is presented to the public is very important. And so I put that importance above just giving them a Google Doc with the information. (laughs) And because of that, we missed a deadline that we were unaware of to be mm-hmm. honest, but reflecting back, if I had just said, you know what, getting it done at this point beats doing it perfectly, right? Because we had given them what they'd asked for, but then they asked for more. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, our graphic designer needs to be involved right. in this because I don't know who's looking at it. And because I'm not speaking to this document, the branding has to speak for me. Right. And unfortunately, I wouldn't say that we missed the opportunity, but the opportunity was delayed. Mm. And it it put me at that time in a precarious position uh, where we had to look to raise funding from some of our other existing partners. So I would say for me, um, and I know there are other entrepreneurs out there like me who never want to put out their work because they don't think it's perfect. Mm -hmm. or hasn't met their standards or their expectations. And sometimes what we have to realize is that when we're doing that, we're missing the opportunity to help or serve those that we've been put on this earth to help and serve. Right. Right? Yeah. No, that's, that's powerful. And and actually, as you were detailing that, that story, and thank you for sharing that, I was thinking about something I just wrote and something that I've, I've kind of, subscribe to myself. And I heard a successful businessman say one time, learn to be unattached from the result. And what I took that as as meaning is not like you don't care about making it perfect. It's just understanding that sometimes you have a vision of how things should play out and it doesn't happen that way. 
And so you need to let go of it has to happen like this and just do the thing that needs to get done. So, no, thank you for sharing that, man. That, that, that was spot on. Awesome. So let's get into uh, question number two. Uh, this one is deep. When I, I read this and I was like, OK, we're, we're going to go here. So you were once told that a black woman will never be successful in tech. So I must ask, have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome? If so, what did you do to get over it? So, no, I've never dealt with imposter syndrome ever. Mm-hmm. And I will say that at the moment when I was told that, I was really starting out uh, with Driven Accelerator, which was the first tech accelerator in all of Canada to really focus on empowering Black women founders, um, newcomer founders, and just women in general. And so I had never done it before. And the majority of the accelerators in Canada at that time were backed by venture capitalists, right? They were backed by firms who knew exactly what they were looking for. And the accelerator was just a way for them to curate, you know, this community or this ecosystem of startups that they could invest in and eventually make money from. So when I started Driven, it was a nonprofit organization. So we weren't looking for money. We weren't giving money, but Mm -hmm. we were connecting entrepreneurs to um, angel investors. We were connecting them to the best you know, education that was out there. And that's something I'm very proud of. And also mentorship. And I had no idea what I was doing. But I feel like one of my strengths is that I'm able to look at something that's not working or not working as well and make it better. Right? Like, you know, some people can just come up with things from scratch. And and just, it's just amazing and groundbreaking. And I feel like there's a part of me that's like that too. But I feel like part of my strength and part of my purpose is to make things better. Right. And so I did a lot of research. I took a lot of time to really understand what it was that startup founders were missing from the current ecosystem and then giving them that. Mm -hmm. And again, that comes back to my educational background and advertising where a lot of like what we learned is customer development and Mm -hmm. asking those questions and giving people what they want instead of just giving them what we think they want or giving them what we want to sell, right? right. It's really about how do we service a need that's currently being unmet mm-hmm. and how do we do that to the best of our ability? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of power in being the second to come to market, right? right? Because right. you get to see all of the gaps and all of poke holes in what, you know, the first company or companies did and where they're missing out and then making sure that you're providing a need for those uh, individuals who may be part of like a niche market that's untapped and, and unserved. So luckily for me, I've never had to deal with that. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a part of me uh, that always felt that this was the work that I was supposed to be doing. And okay. I was very passionate about business in general, ever since right. I was in seventh grade. Right. So, and, and for me, I'm also the type of person when someone says to me, I can't do something, I have to prove them wrong. So mm-hmm. Luckily for me, and I'm not downplaying those who have dealt with imposter syndrome, but that's never stopped me from doing right. something new that I didn't really have a lot of like, quote unquote, experience. In. Right, right. And I think that's that's very powerful. And to unpack that, at least what I'm getting from that is, you know, I, I spoke to my good friend. You might have known because I think you guys belong to 
um, a similar organization, uh, Bailey Parnell. Anyways, I'm going to say her name. Maybe that rings a bell or not. Uh, but one of the things she discovered is how certain people view failure, failure differently, like the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. And really, it, it comes down to perspective. So for you, what I just gathered from what you just said is that even though you were new to this space, had no traditional background in this space, when someone set, says, you know, I can't see you doing this or this is not for you, you take that as a challenge or you see that as an opportunity to go ahead and do it and get fueled and motivated by that. Where some people will take that same situation and feel small or lesser than. So, no, kudos for you for having that mindset and mentality. And that's one of the things I hope that many of the listeners will get out of that is you really have a choice to kind of view a challenge or, or see it as an opportunity versus something that, you know, okay, I didn't, I didn't go to school for that, or I don't have the resume for that. Um, but a follow-up to that is, you know, what does a hard day look for, uh, for you? Um, you know, what are some of the, the personal kind of challenges, setbacks and negativity, whether it be outside noise or internal noise, like how do you, conquer those things or, or, or get over those things when they happen on a, whether it be a daily, weekly, monthly or, or basis? Okay. So again, really great question. Um, mm-hmm. I would say challenges would really just be around people who say they want to support and mm-hmm. then don't put the money behind their words. And I feel like a lot of startup founders can relate to that, especially when you're doing something that is innovative and it's capturing a lot of attention. People always want to be a part of it naturally, right? We gravitate to what's popular. Right. Um, Unfortunately, you know, sometimes there are individuals that, or organizations that sometimes we, we spend a lot of time you know, really building relationships with only for them to turn around and say, no, or no, I'm going to give you less than what you're significantly less than what you're asking for, because this is all that we have. Mm -hmm. When we know that that's not really the case. Sometimes people are just risk adverse. Right. You like being in tech Mm -hmm. and being an innovator in the space there, there is a lot of risk, right? Because right. you're doing things oftentimes that have never been done before of course. into a new market. So I feel like that challenge can be, you know, the, the taking the time, which takes a lot of energy to share what you're doing. There's a lot of passion that comes out right? and a lot of attention and resources that go into raising rounds. Right. And then you realize that the person or the organization that you were building a relationship with is really not a right fit. Right. And that, and that can be extremely frustrating because it's, right. it's disappointing, right? Because you set up your plans and how it is that you want to move forward with partners and collaborations. And when it seems like everything is going well, you kind of take a sigh of like release, like, mm-hmm okay, this is great. This is going the way that I expected. And then at times you may have the the rug pulled from underneath you, which again can really put you in a really tight spot, but you know, God is able. So I've never been in a situation where I've had the rug pulled and I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do. There was always like another opportunity or another investor, another partnership, just waiting to kind of fill that spot. 
Right, right. And when you say have the rug pulled from underneath you, when you're going through that, are there is there anything particular that you do to kind of deal with those kind of ebbs and flows? And maybe it's emotional, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. But is there anything do you like have like a routine to get you through a tough day or a situation, anything like that? Yeah. So there are people in my circle that hold space for me, mm-hmm. you know, people who I trust that I can confide in, that I can be, you know, vulnerable with and sharing my frustrations or my disappointments with them. And I often feel that getting that emotion out is very important because holding on to it and letting it fester or even pushing it down and ignoring your emotions, ignoring that something happened that disappointed you or upset you can really affect how you're able to move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, being able to tap into that community of individuals who hold space for me is definitely a part of my ritual. If you want to call it that, um, I do a lot of meditation, a lot of journaling. I pray a lot, you know, I really will reflect back on, you know, some of the things that I've been told mm-hmm. and really just take that in. Sometimes you really just need to remind yourself of who you are and who's behind you, right. and what it is that you have been put on this earth to do. And I feel that when we're operating in our calling, Mm-hmm. oftentimes we will face disappointment or hurdles or barriers, but there isn't going to be a situation where you completely fail because that wouldn't make any sense. Like why right. would, why would God say, Hey, Tamar, this is your purpose. This is what you're going to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And then set me up to fail. Like that doesn't make any sense. So it's just reminding myself of those things that, okay, I know that I have people behind me that are not going to allow me to fail as long as I'm doing what I need to do. I'm always going to have the support I need to keep going. Right now from hearing that response is a beautiful response. I took a lot from that. It sounds as if you discovered your purpose at a fairly young age. Would that be a fair assumption? Yes. Okay. Um, And so for those people that let's say are not as fortunate, how would you suggest someone Cause you mentioned the word calling and I believe in that. And like, how could you be called to do something and then, you know, ultimately fail. So for those people that haven't been as fortunate, you know, to find their calling or their purpose, do you, from your experience, is there anything they could do? Do you have any recommendations for people like that? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would say a lot of it starts with doing inner work mm. and people run from that because it's not always easy sometimes because when we start to really reflect on who we are and what drives us, what motivates us, but also what holds us back, it can sometimes lead individuals to some dark places, but I believe that it's, you know, it's darkest before the light. And Mm -hmm. so you have to be able to do, you know, some of that shadow work where you're looking at sort of what's holding you back, what's blocking you, What's stopping you from seeing, you know, where it is that you're supposed to be and what is it you're supposed to be doing? I know for me, I lean a lot on my faith and I know that there are individuals who have, you know, different beliefs or maybe they, you know, she's not to believe in anything and that's their 
prerogative. Right. Um, but for me, I would say, you know, it really starts with knowing who you are and taking right. that time to really do the work and find someone like a coach or a therapist, mm-hmm. hold that space for you who can help you work through those challenging questions that you ask yourself. I think right. a lot of times answers come through meditation as well, right. which can be challenging for people to really quiet their minds and find a quiet space to really reflect and listen mm-hmm. to what needs to be told to them. And um, also too, like I said before, journaling is also really important. Um, I think a combination of those things would really help an individual. I feel like that's what, helps me that's Uh, what and I also was fortunate enough to have people in my family that were able to direct me and and have amazing teachers were also able to you know direct me and 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 give me opportunities to learn things about myself like I learned about business just because my grade seven teacher Mrs. Blake uh, she's also the first black teacher I ever had. Oh, why? And you remember um, her name, and that's probably why. Yes. <laughs> oh, I remember all my teachers. I, oh, wow. I don't. Sometimes I think it's weird when people don't. But anyways, that's just yeah. me. Yeah. But um, she used to give us the Toronto Star, mm-hmm. and she would tell us to pick a section and read it. So I always used to pick the fashion section mm-hmm. and also the business section, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I got into grade eight, um, my grade eight teacher, Mr. Berlon, had this book with all of these different careers. And I used to sit like right in front of his desk. Cause I was, I was a classroom secretary. So I just, <laughs> right. I used to sit right at the front of his desk. And I said, Sir, can I see that book? He gave it to me and I was just flipping through the pages and I saw business administration had no idea what it was, mm-hmm. but it sounded interesting. It sounded, mm-hmm. you know, legal, and that really drew me to it. And so that's where that curiosity started. started. Right. And so, I would implore your listeners to really just to be curious and to try different things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, business related. It could be exploring your creative talents or pursuits. And maybe right. in that moment, you know, you get an aha, right? right. So they're just, just to be curious and explore different things, look at things from different perspectives right. and, and don't be afraid to, try new things. Don't, don't allow yourself or others to place you in a box or put their own perspectives um, or expectations onto you. Right. And, and to, to know that it's okay to change and evolve. So if you think that, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. But as you're growing and maturing, you realize that, you know, you can pivot a little bit. That's okay too. Mm -hmm. Pivoting is great. Pivoting means that you're learning, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not pivoting, Absolutely. sometimes that's not always the best thing. Absolutely. And I think you hit on, on so many key points there. And just to kind of pick a few of them, I think your routine that you have, you know, the meditation, the prayer, relying on your faith, having, you know, what I would call like your, you know, you, you kind of have your, your your circle of trust, people that like your, 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 your board of Tamara Huggins, like the, the four or five people you go to when you're going through difficult situations that you can call on for advice and direction. I think those are all very important factors. And I also think like the therapy part is huge. Like me personally, I started therapy last February. So that's February 2021. And one of the things I, I've, I've always knew that it would do 
is it reminds me of there's this um there's this I don't know if it, you would call it a saying, but there's something called like the Jahari window. I think I'm saying it right, and it says everyone has four cells. It says there's things about there's things about Tamar that only Tamar knows that no one else knows. There's things about Tamar that she doesn't know that other people know. And there's things about Tamar that other people know that she knows as well. And there's things that neither people know about you, nor do you know about yourself. And where a therapist comes in is you guys together can discover that that unknown part, maybe it's a block, maybe it's a hindrance, maybe it's just untapped power that you have that you didn't really know that you have, right? So that self-discovery portion, I think is really huge and really big. And I'm glad that you called that out because I, I definitely think that's a key ingredient right there. Yeah, and I love that, those four things. And I think a lot of people shy away from therapy mm-hmm. and it's really the best thing in the world right. to be able to have someone hold space for you who's able to, as you said, uncover the things that you don't know that other people don't know, or even the things that people know about you mm-hmm. that you don't know. I think that's oftentimes a really big piece of, of what people struggle with is they don't really understand how the world views them. Right. And a lot of the materials that we see out there, resources are really about how we see the world, mm-hmm. but not really how the world looks at us. And I feel like that can give us a really different perspective. Right. On- we are and what it is that we came here to do. Right. And the last thing I'll touch upon what you said that I feel like is so clear that I, key that I feel many of us miss for a number of different reasons is exploring our curiosity. Right. So I had a conversation with uh, Jamar McNeil some time ago, who's a co-host of the, the Marilyn Dennis show on Chum FM. And together we're like, how do people discover what they're supposed to do? And he's like, whatever keeps you up at night. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You, when you wake up, it's one of the first things you think about throughout your day. You're seeing signs about it. It tugs at you. It pulls, gives yeah. you that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach. Whatever that thing is, that's what you need to explore. And I think a lot of people uh, get kind of scared because what if it's something that's never been done? Like in your situation, right? There's no blueprint. So now you're taking it out of the ether, out of the air. And you're trying to create it. But that, I think, is is where people should start. And if you're a parent and you're listening, I think if your kid has a natural curiosity for something like that and it's healthy, of course, you should lead them towards that. That's true. I had a pastor say that exact same thing mm-hmm. right at that moment when I was trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do specifically. And he said, whatever it is that pains your heart, mm-hmm. that's an indication of where it is that you need to focus. So that's amazing advice. Awesome. So um, in 2012, you, you also mentioned this, you launched you launched Driven, uh, the first Canadian tech accelerator for underrepresented uh, founders. So let's talk about re- representation for a second here. Um, does it really matter? And why? Of course, it matters. <laughs> if we don't see reflections of ourselves, mm-hmm. subconsciously, we're going to assume that we don't belong there. Right. And that starts at even just a social level you know, going to school, going to gatherings, um, events, even, you know, you feel like you're outnumbered. You're not going to feel as though you belong there because the energy is not really, you know, conducive to, you know, where it is that you want to be or what is it you want to do or what you want to accomplish. Right. So Mm. I've had, 
um, one of my startup founders, you know, say that to me that she used to go to all the tech events and mm-hmm. network and she was always the only female there. And oftentimes mm-hmm. when you're, when you're short and when you're young, it's just, it makes it even worse because then it's like, no one sees you, no one hears you. And so creating spaces for people to feel like they belong is extremely important. I feel like it's definitely belonging is, is, is fundamental to, you know, our being. Right. And so that's why I started driven because I wanted those founders like her and others to feel as though they had a safe space to learn, to make mistakes, ask questions, to be successful, right? And so when we even shift that and look at it from an educational perspective, you know, there's so much power in, you know, a young Black child seeing someone doing something that they want to do, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I recently saw on Instagram, this, this mother posted a video of her son you know, going into the cockpit with a black pilot and he had him in his seat and was just showing him around. And this is a child who loved airplanes, but probably never saw a black pilot. I mean, how many times have we seen black pilots Uh, here in Canada? I haven't seen a lot. Um, And so for a young boy who looked to be about maybe four, you know, that it's going to stay in his mind. So when he wants to, explore that as a career option Uh he's going to remember that experience that he had with that black pilot he might not remember his name but he remembers oh this person looks like me right right like those things are so important it's really fundamental to who we are yep oh man you you hit it right on the nail because (laughs) i just finished reading nelson mandela's autobiography and at the height of what he was doing before he went to prison Mm -hmm. He was traveling all across uh, South, uh, all across Africa, and he details his first time hopping on an airplane, and he saw uh, a black pilot, and he was like, he even asked, like to himself, he's like, "Does this guy know how to fly a plane?" But he had to check himself in the moment, yeah, you know, because he realized why he thought that way, right? Yeah. Um, so representation is very important. And it also reminds me of a conversation that many years ago, I used to live in New York and I actually went to the inauguration of uh, Barack Obama's presidency. Right. And I know people felt different ways and they had different levels of expectation. But for me, I was always very clear about my expectation for him uh, being the president of that country. And that was for me, I was like, him being the president isn't going to change the ghettos of America overnight or, you know, dramatically change what's going on in the black community specifically. But what it is going to do is any kid that was born from 2008 to let's say 2016, they grew up in a society and into a world where a black man was the leader of the free of of a free nation, arguably the richest or the most powerful nation in the world. And that identity, seeing that now, instead of saying, hey, I want to be Oh, the next LeBron James, which isn't a bad thing, or the next Kevin Hart, which is also not a bad thing. They could say I could be the next U.S. president. Right. And I think that to me was the win. I didn't have any other expectation other than the young kids coming up seeing that. Amazing. Uh All right. So let's get down to the last question here. So um, throughout your amazing career, what has been the best lesson you believe you've learned from failing? thus far? 
wow, the best lesson I've learned is to bet on myself. Mm. You know, I've been in some really tough positions personally, um, professionally. And at the end, I always look back and say, wow, like I did that. Mm. I was able to push through that. and I didn't think I could or other people didn't think I could. But betting on ourselves is, is the most important thing. Not to say that we can't depend on or have expectations, but at the end of the day, we have to feel comfortable with ourselves and comfortable with our abilities to accomplish what it is that we need to accomplish, right? I think sometimes we depend too much on outside influence to motivate us to do things. That motivation really needs to come from within. And so I would say that the biggest lesson that I've learned is to really bet on myself because I've done a lot. And it's times like like these when I do podcasts or a speaking event, and they read my bio and I have to sit sometimes and reflect back on it. Or, or when I see the comments, you know, on LinkedIn about how many people have been inspired or that uh, I'm their role model or whatever the case may be when I take it a step back. I think if, if I didn't believe in myself, I wouldn't be here. It doesn't matter if my friends believed in me or my family believed in me um, or if I had all the money in the world. If I didn't believe in me, it would have never happened. If I didn't take a chance on myself, you know, it would have never happened. So that for me is the biggest lesson that I've learned is to always bet on myself because right. I win. Right. Now, speaking of all those comments, and those people that you've inspired and now look up to you it, to the young man or woman that says, I want to be the next Tamar Huggins, or I want to do what you're doing. If you can only give them one piece of advice, what would that be? So the first thing that comes to my mind mm-hmm. is that, You should never want to be like somebody else. Right. Of course. I believe that people should see what I do as inspiration Uh to be the best version of themselves. Right. Right. So to use what I've done to motivate you to dig deeper, to find your why and why you're here, what it is that you need to accomplish, who you need to accomplish it for, um, who's going to come and support you and help you with that work. I feel like it's important for individuals to find their own lane. I think sometimes it can be a bit of a trap when people see what someone's doing and it's working so well. They think that, oh, okay, well, I can do that exact same thing. If you were called to do it, that's a different situation. But I feel like sometimes people end up taking on things that are not necessarily for them. Right. Because Mm. they're not really looking within themselves to say, okay, well, let me do the best that I can do in my lane and look to her as inspiration. I agree with that 1000%. And that's one of the plights with, with, with social media. Um, I think that comes with that, although a great platform and great tool to promote many different things. I think that's a trap that a lot of people fall into. They see someone else having success and they think they got to do that. And they're not called for that. And so they're chasing someone else's dream success versus finding out, what should be their own. So great answer. So rapid fire questions real quick this is where I ask you, ask you three questions and you have five seconds or less to <laughs> respond. So the first thing that comes to mind. So first question is 
what is one thing that you're afraid of? Oh, shoot. I actually don't really talk about my fears, to be honest. Mm. I don't like to put things out there in the atmosphere because I believe they manifest. So, okay, we'll skip that. I'll give you an extra. I'll give you a bonus one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. What's your, what's your superpower? Ooh, um, my superpower, I feel, as I mentioned before, is just taking something and making it better. Mm. If there was one thing you could change about the world, what would it be? Ooh, racism. I get rid of that. Mm, okay. And since you're giving me a bonus, if, let me see here. Hmm. If for the black founders in Canada, if you can give them one piece of advice, what would it be? We need to come together as a community to support our own and stop looking outside of our community for support. Mm, I like it. Well, there you have it. Tamar Hargens. Thank you so much guys. As I always like to end the show with, If you want to impress people, talk about your wins, talk about your successes, yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to have an impact on somebody's life, talk about your failures, the lessons that you learned from those experiences. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, Tamar and I are out. Until next time, peace and love. Clockwise, yeah, yeah. never turn back, yeah, yeah. only go clockwise, yeah, yeah. never go 